Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. now in glad to have you with us here on this middle of the work week proverbial hump day wednesday glad to have everyone with us as we get it cracking on another jam-packed busy show here today and uh, thank you for joining us wherever you may be of course streaming live tcmartinshow.com coast to coast border to border glad to have you here all right today we are going to talk about the UNLV coaching hiring today. Got a chance to meet Barry Odom, the new head coach of UNLV. We talked about it yesterday when the official news came out yesterday afternoon. Barry Odom, your new head coach for the UNLV football team. Houston Nutt will join us today. Houston Nutt knows Barry Odom. Houston Nutt gives a thumbs up and says, it's a good hire by Eric Harper and Keith Whitfield, the president of UNLV. So, you will hear from Houston Nutt today. He'll join us this hour, giving us his thoughts about the new UNLV head coach. As well, we talk college football playoff. Yes, the bowl game's right around the corner. The playoff game's coming your way on New Year's Eve. Trevor Maddich will join us. Houston Nutt as well. So we got college football covered for you. And also, uh, Al Bernstein's going to join us today. And Kenny Bayless as we continue on with our memories of... Referee Mills Lane, who passed away yesterday at the age of 85, and we talked a lot about that on the show yesterday. So if you missed uh, any of that with our very special guest, uh, Mark Ratner, who joined us uh, yesterday, appreciate uh, Mark uh, for joining us, who actually was the executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission during those times when Mills Lane was one of the premier referees. And uh, so that is up on the uh, the website as well, too, from yesterday's show. So wherever you get your podcast, you can locate that or at the website at tcmartinshow.com. And also uh, another legendary referee, Hall of Famer Joe Cortez, joined us yesterday. So we got Joe Cortez's and uh, Mark Ratner's thoughts on Mills Lane. Today we continue our tribute, so to speak, with Mills Lane, uh, one of the best referees of all time, and also uh, just Nevada through and through. Uh, a guy that spent a majority of his life uh, on the north side of the state in Reno, was a a judge in Washoe County, also an attorney. And of course, after Mills Lane retired as a referee from professional boxing in 1998, uh, very successful uh, television show host as well, as we know, with Judge Mills Lane. So he parlayed his success in his career as a boxing referee and, and took it to Hollywood. So uh, going to miss Mills Lane, even though... Most people have not seen Mills for the better part of the last 20 years because he suffered a a major stroke going back in 2002. But uh, we remember Mills Lane today and looking forward to talking with Al Bernstein and Kenny Bayless. And Kenny Bayless is basically the heir apparent to Mills Lane. It's going to be very interesting talking to Kenny again. Just, uh, you know, one of our regular guests here on the show, Kenny 
right now is the best referee in boxing. He has been for quite some time, and he trained under Mills Lane back in those uh, early 90s days uh, at the top-ranked gym. And uh, remember it very well when I would see Kenny Bayless at the top-ranked gym before he even had his uh, first professional assignment as a referee and uh, Mills Lane training him. Still remember those days uh, vividly well. So we'll recant that with Kenny Bayless and, of course, Al Bernstein, just uh, another International Boxing Hall of Famer. So, uh, so many, you know, Boxing Hall of Famers that we have on the show. And, uh, again, just, just four of them <laughs> in the last two days. And, uh, you know, some breaking news as well, too. Our very good friend, Tim Bradley, gets the election into the International Boxing Hall of Fame today. So, Tim Bradley, very proud of him, very happy for him. Uh, that the news came down today, along with two other top rank officials who have been with top rank boxing and Bob Aram for such a long, long time. Uh, Brad Goodman, uh, gets, uh, gets inducted as well. And, uh, that, uh, that is amazing. And, uh, Brad Jacobs, who have been with top rank for many, many years. But, uh, yeah, shout out to those guys, our good friends at top rank boxing, Bob Aram and company. And of course, uh, Timothy Bradley Jr. Uh, the former, what, uh, five-time world champion gets elected into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastoga, New York. So, and we'll be talking to Tim, um, here in the next coming days to, uh, have him on the show and, and talk about, uh, that and, uh, probably talk about the fight coming up with Telefimo Lopez coming up here, uh, Saturday night at Madison Square Garden as well. All right. But we start the show today talking about the introductory press conference today. With Barry Odom. He was introduced as UNLV's new head football coach. Barry Odom, former head coach at Missouri for four seasons from 2016 to 2019, had a 25 and 25 record. The last three seasons, he was a defensive coordinator at Arkansas, but uh, he's pretty much been Big 12 and SEC through and through. He went to the University of Missouri, played there as a player, graduated in 1999, and uh, after a couple years of coaching high school football in that area, he uh, got a job on the coaching staff at his alma mater, and he was on the Missouri coaching staff from 2003 all the way to 2019, and uh, those last four seasons from, like I mentioned, 2016 to 2019, he was the head coach at the University of Missouri. He's very happy. He's very excited to be here. He was interested in this job uh, from the start, actually even before it even came open. And he told a very interesting and kind of funny story today. And uh, we'll let uh, Barry Odom explain that to you here in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah, where he talked about he visited campus here at UNLV going back to last spring and uh, snuck in the Fertitta football complex. Uh, so uh, he's wanted to be here for a while. He was uh, He was very impressed at the interview process, very impressed with athletic director Eric Harper and president uh, Keith Whitfield. So uh, Barry Odom is your new head coach. And that surprised a lot of people because obviously anytime there's a coaching opening, and let's be honest, we've, we're have we used to a lot of coaching openings here at UNLV, whether it's the football side or the basketball side, uh, just an amazing turnover, not only just in coaches at UNLV, but in athletic directors as well as presidency. As well, too. So we're kind of used to these press conferences, and it's kind of hard to get excited. But what usually happens on the day of the press conferences is that 
some people, media members as well as fans and and even boosters and regents, they'll uh, start to get very, very excited and say, wow, this guy's going to be a great head coach. Well, Barry Odom did something that just about every head coach on either the basketball side or the football side has done. He won over the press conference. He said the right things today. And uh, a lot of uh, pomp and circumstance, which UNLV usually does, and when they've always done here when they've hired head coaches. But uh, I think much to the surprise of Barry Odom and his family, the reception that he got today. Uh, but not a surprise to us who have been to these press conferences and seen these new coaches just introduced a lot you know, over the last decade. But he is very, very happy and excited to be here, and I think that's important. But remember, Marcus Arroyo came across that he was very happy and excited to be here when he had his introductory press conference three years ago. But uh, when this job came open, he said he wanted the job. He actually reached out to Eric Harper, had long phone discussions with him, and that turned into long in-person meetings and interview process. And uh, he actually got a chance to sit down and meet his team for the first time yesterday afternoon. Actually met the team at 2.30 in the afternoon yesterday. And the first thing that he told the existing members on this UNLV football team, he urged them to stay. Because he wants to build around this team. He wants to use the transfer portal. But it wants to start here with trying to keep as many of these UNLV football players as possible. Now, before he was even announced, he lost his top two players on the offensive side of the ball, at least at the wide receiver position. So it would be interesting if if he can try to re-recruit those guys. But as we know, with the transfer portal, once that season's over, you've got people just throwing their name in there immediately. And it does make a coach's job very, very tough to not only deal with the transfer portal because you got so many kids and they all want to go to better places. They all want to be focal points and they all want to have a better environment from where they came. And that's what we have in the change of our society. So with college football and, well, not just college football, college basketball, with the rules now of the transfer portal, it just opens up the door for this. And this is why you have the major turnover year in and year out. It's a very tough job to be a college coach now, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, softball, doesn't matter. The competition is crazy. And uh, this is going to be a tough job for anyone. And uh, so Barry Odom is very excited about this. Now, like I said, he met his team for the first time yesterday. Doug Brumfield, the quarterback, I think he came away with saying, well, sounds good, but we'll see what happens. Every player is going to have that attitude right now because they don't know Barry Odom at all. And you got to get a chance to know him. And there there has to be a trust level. But Barry Odom said all the right things today at the press conference. Said all the right things. Talked about how he needs to get invested immediately within this community, in the university. Uh, he loves the athletics, the academic. He loves the city. And remember, he's coming from Fayetteville, Arkansas, the last three years. He's a family guy. He's got uh, two young kids. And he's got a wife. They're very, very excited to be here. And his two kids are athletes. One is a sophomore in high school. He's actually looking for uh, a high school. And his kid is a quarterback as well, too. And he has he has another one. Actually, has a daughter as well, too. So he's got three kids. And um, so very quick transition. And this is the way the coaching game works. I mean, you leave for an interview. You come here and boom, within 24 to 48 hours, you got to pack up and move. So He's going to be here for the foreseeable future. Family's going to go back home tomorrow and uh, start packing up uh, their belongings and everything from Fayetteville 
get his kids in school and go from there. But he's a family guy. Uh, he's a people person. You can get that sense, uh, which is very, very good in what you need here at UNLV. So let's hear from the particulars in today's press conference that took place in the TAM Center on the campus of UNLV. Here's the athletic director, Eric Harper, talking about why Barry Odom was his choice. This search, I knew, I knew that we needed a new coach that would you that would be fired up about being a rebel through and through. We wanted someone who would make sure our student athletes in the program get better mentally, physically, emotionally, and socially while connecting with our community and campus in a way like never seen at UNLV. There was an enormous amount of interest in this position. We live in the entertainment and sports capital of the world and are looking to be a leader in the sports industry in Las Vegas. We set out looking for a coach who would develop the young men in our program as players in preparation for life after sport. I know we have found that coach who would develop their talents, mentor them, provide them with values for the rest of their lives. Coach Barry Odom and I met years ago when I was at a previous stop, and I've watched his career ever since. He has shown the ability to lead and build a program in some of the toughest times without compromising his values and his beliefs. As you get to know Coach Odom, you will see a family man with a set of values that will lead the Rebel football program to new heights. I look forward to a long, successful working relationship with Coach Odom. All right. Obviously, Athletic Director Eric Harper, he likes Barry Odom. He actually knew Barry Odom before this process uh, began, which we kind of figured that, you know, as an athletic director, this is his first major hire. He wants to get somebody, and you can't blame him, somebody that he knows, respects, and didn't know him all that well, but he knew of him, and they had some prior meetings to this, and obviously had his focus on him. I mentioned not many people had Barry Odom on the radar for UNLV, and it's virtually impossible. I mean, you'll hear a lot of people, whether it's media members or fans, boosters, they think, uh, okay, well, this is what the coaching list is. Nobody knew what the coaching list was. Nobody knew. Only Eric Harper and Keith Whitfield. They're the only ones that knew. I mean, not even the regents and boosters knew who the candidates were. They were keeping that close to the vest, and they succeeded very well with that because no one talked about Barry Odom. We knew for sure that it was going to be someone who had head coaching experience, which is great because that's what we talked about from the beginning. That's exactly what UNLV needs. Don't try to get a first-time head coach, someone who's a hot offensive coordinator, hot defensive coordinator. Now, Barry Odom was a head coach but hasn't been a head coach for the past three years, but stayed in the game of college football, stayed actively recruiting, and was in the SEC at Arkansas as a defensive coordinator. Now, Arkansas's teams were not great on the defensive side of the ball. They were pretty good. But Barry Odom is known as a defensive coach. His teams at Missouri were pretty good. They weren't bad. People are going to look at his record at 25 and 25 and say, well, he's a mediocre head coach. Well, that that's fair if you would judge by the record, yes. But his defenses were top 25 defenses in the country, and again, you know, playing in that very rugged and tough SEC. Here's Barry Odom talking about his thoughts on becoming the football head coach at UNLV. When I saw the job came open, um, number one, I knew that it was a job that I would have great interest in, and it starts with the leadership of Eric Harper because I believe in him. 
I've known and, you know, from a distance we met years ago, but I've also seen what he's done and what he's done in short order at UNLV. And I know what he stands for as a man, as a person, and as a leader. So number one, that was the attraction initially. Number two, um, this story may get me in a little bit of trouble, but I'll go ahead and tell it now that I've already telling the story. I was um, here this past spring in the city recruiting, and I just left one of the local high schools who has tremendous talent and great players, like the city does in a lot of different spots. And I knew that I had to make a flight at a certain time, and I took a wrong turn, and now it ended up being a right turn, because I ended up on campus, and I looked at my watch, I thought, you know what, I've got, I've got time, I can make this work. I said, I just want to drive by their football facility, because I had heard that we had just built uh, a, new, a new facility. So I pulled into the parking lot, there weren't many cars around, I found an open door. I went in, I made it in the front lobby, and then I walked around and I made it in the weight room. And number one, very impressive. That showed me the energy, the support, and the things that are needed to win at a high level. I made it all the way up to the second floor and made it down the hallway before somebody recognized I wasn't supposed to be there <laughs> and was asked pretty quickly to leave. But I was able to get a vision on what it was, matched with what the leadership is, and I knew when the job came open, I was going all in to try to get this job because I believe in opportunity, I believe in the leadership, I believe in the conference, I believe in the footprint of recruiting, and there's only one Vegas in the world. Let's go make it special. And I'll tell you the strengths that Barry Odom has. He has head coaching experience, which, like we said, is the check, you know, had to check the box there. He has SEC pedigree, Southeastern Conference pedigree, which I think is very, very important because, as we know, that is the toughest conference in all of college football. Being a head coach at Missouri as well as Arkansas, he recruited the Southeast. He also recruited here in Las Vegas as well, too. So I think that is very, very important. Barry Odom talking about his thoughts on being the head coach here at UNLV and, and what he likes about this job? Um, you look at, at, at the world of college football and, 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 and college sports in general, and how do you sustain success? I think that's done in a number of different ways. It starts with the current team that we have. And I talked to those guys yesterday at 2.30. Everybody in that room, I need them to stay. Okay, that's important, okay, because they're the core foundation of what our program is going to be. The next part of that goes into the recruiting and the identification of kids and young men that can come in and want to be here, but also have the values and the characteristics that are going to fit to what this culture is of our team. And then it's a process of every single day on pouring into your student athletes. You've got to pour into it and continue to build the culture every day. It doesn't ever stop. Growth never stops, and that's the thing that you've got to continue to do it with consistency and the message has got to be clear and directive on how. These are our goals. These are how we're going to get there. And then you've got to also set the expectations that we're going to go win championships. And we're not going to back away from that. That's the goal. That's the vision. We want to be the best. Here's the blueprint on how we're going to go do it. Let's lock arms together and let's go get it done. There it is. Your introductory press conference today. A solid hire for UNLV as of now. All right, because there won't be any excuses after this because he has the support of the president and the athletic director, has got a budget behind him to hire some quality 
coordinators put the staff together. You have great facilities on campus. You're playing your home games at Allegiant Stadium. Now we'll see uh, what he does uh, with this. And uh, we will look forward to having Barry Odom on the program and uh, having our listeners get a chance uh, to hear from him and his thoughts on being the head coach here at UNLV. All right, we continue on here today on the show as we uh, talked about a lot of college football talk here today. We are going to visit with Houston Nutt and Trevor Maddich like we uh, normally do, and uh, we will get their thoughts not only on the coaching hire for UNLV, but also uh, as we get ready for the college football playoff and the bowl games. So a lot to hit on today. And, of course, like we said, too, next hour you'll hear from Al Bernstein and Kenny Bayless regarding uh, the passing of Mills Lane. All right, just getting started for you here on this Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Glad to have you with us. Continue on. When we come back, the head coach and now the analyst with the CBS Sports, Houston Nutt, joins us next. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, uh-huh. the doctor, T.C. Martin. Uh-huh. All right, don't forget, we're back at the Westgate in Las Vegas. The world-famous Superbook coming your way on Fridays, our best bet segment. Jay Schrader will be in the house as well, too. Talk a little NFL, of course, week 14. Army-Navy coming up this weekend as well, too. Always one of my favorite games between those service academies. And uh, our very good friend, who is part of that broadcast every year, Getting ready for it on the CBS Sports Network, the one and only Houston Nutt. And of course, the head coach joins us now. What is up, my man? Hey, not much. How you doing, TC? I'm good, brother. I'm doing good, as you well know. A little Army Navy, you ready for it or what? I'm always ready for this game. If there's one thing I could I wish I could have done when I was coaching at either Murray State, Boise State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, I wish I could have take, taken my team to that game. And let them watch these guys. Probably not too many five stars, but what what I want my team to see is the pageantry and the effort, the attitude, the way they play each play for one another. And then when they get through with that game, there's such respect and honor between both teams as much as they want to beat each other. And then they go on and go protect us overseas it just it's just the men and women what they do I, I truly i want our young men i want our people to know that i agree with you and it's great that that is a has become a standalone game it's the only game on the schedule they get all the attention and you guys get to broadcast it there at cbs uh like you mentioned the pageantry and then the, the game itself it's great and Anybody who watches this game, definitely you got to watch the beginning of the game, the introductions, and then at the end, like you said as well too, the, the utmost respect. I mean, really, that this is what sports should be all about. You don't see any showboating. You don't see all the nonsense. I mean, you see guys that play hard, work hard, and a game that usually takes place in less than three hours because there's not very many penalties because they're both so disciplined, you know? And you don't you don't have a lot of the personal fouls. But again, coaches conduct themselves. It's just what sport's all about. And that's why I like it. You and I are on the same page. But I, I can tell one thing that, you know, you're probably not real happy about, though. You'd want to take your teams to go watch that game. But I know as a head coach, you really don't like playing those schools because especially if you got to face, you know, that veer or that triple option, that's tough to handle. 
You do not. <laughs> you do not want to play them. Unless, if you have to play them, you just have to play them. I'm glad that we didn't have to hmm. when I was coaching. But when you have to play, you, you want to schedule them first game or an open date or two open dates. <laughs> you, you want time to prepare for this triple option. And who has the fullback? Who has the quarterback? Who has the tailback? Uh, you better know your responsibility over and over and over. See, I would imagine that your teams would have success because, I mean, you played uh, at, at that back in the day in, in Arkansas, right? I mean, that you you played in and in, in faced Texas, who who used to play uh, have that same offense as well, too. No question about it. No question about it. Uh, you know, Daryl Royal back in the Southwest Conference days when I was playing at Arkansas was such an icon and of course when they bring in those backs <laughs> when they're like Earl Campbell and the gang I mean oh my gosh it, it was just it was just unbelievable you know to, to in fact a lot of times my brothers and I would go watch that watch these Texans growing up watch them play and then they go imitate James Street sometimes go Im- imitate the wishbone <laughs> uh but now we quickly got back to the Razorbacks because we're always we're Razorback fans but my point is that you love the way uh, they executed that 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 ball with the way they read it and the way they hid the ball, faked the ball, pitched the ball. It, it was just is amazing. You got that right. All right, Houston Nutt uh, joins us, the former coach at Arkansas, Boise State, Ole Miss, and uh, again with uh, CBS Sports right now, and he'll uh, get ready for Army-Navy coming up on Saturday. All right, as we uh, talked about Houston, uh, Barry Odom is named the next UNLV head coach. Had his introductory press conference uh, today. Uh, Barry Odom had a lot of great things uh, to say. Seems like a good guy, a family guy, and he comes from the SEC, spending time as a head coach uh, at the University of Missouri. And then his last three seasons at uh, your alma mater, in a place that you know very well there in Fayetteville, as a defensive coordinator for the for the Hogs. Uh, talk a little bit about Barry Odom, your thoughts on the hire, and let's talk a little bit about Barry Odom um, just from your personal standpoint. Yep. I've never met Barry Odom, but I have uh, assistant coaches that work for me that work for Barry Odom. And I tell you what, they they swear by this guy. They love him. They love his attitude. You mentioned character, integrity, work ethic. They they love that part of it. And I really thought he did a good job at, at Missouri. I thought he did a really good job. And I really uh, – uh, thought that uh, if you look at some of his teams, the way they played, they played extremely hard. Um, he had a really good first year under Sam Pittman. The defense, the whole, ever the whole state was ranting and raving. Now, this year wasn't as good. He'd lost a couple of players, especially the defensive line, defensive ends, and he had uh, a lot of injuries, and he really had to mix things up. You know, he, 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 he dropped eight, rushed three. He had to really try to help. He lost his best secondary player in Catalan. Um, he, he, it was the injuries. Uh, you know how it goes. I mean, nobody wants to hear it, but I mean, it's just a fact that when you lose some people, especially difference makers in a league like that, it's going to show up. And so that's really, to me, what happened this year. But if you go over the body of work, uh, uh, just listen to my coaches who I believe in and work for me, that now they work for Barry Odom, they, they rant and rave about the guy. And so... I think you y'all guys got a good one out there. He spent the last three years at Arkansas, like we talked about, as a defensive quarter, the four years at Missouri, meaning that he's come 
from the SEC as both a head coach and a defensive coordinator. How prepared should he be to run a program in the Mountain West, considering he's been involved in the Premier Football Conference for the better part of his entire coaching career? Absolutely, 100% prepared. When, when, when you, he's been a head coach in the SEC, like you said, been a defensive coordinator. He's got some laps around the track. He's, he's going to be fine. And to me, that's what you and I were talking about the previous week before, too, whenever we talked last. Uh, you really felt like the place needs a little bit of experience, you know, and some guys that's been around a little bit. So, uh, that's, that's why to me, if you ask me, is he, will he be ready? There's no question he's going to be ready. As a defensive coordinator, his his teams are pretty good at Missouri. They're like top 25. And his overall yeah. record, fans are going to look at his overall record at Mizzou and say, well, he was 25 and 25. And again, it was recent enough, Houston, and I know that you, you cover a lot of the SEC, um, and it's still kind of hard to, to fathom, okay, well, Missouri's an SEC team, but they are, and they had some pretty decent teams you know, during those years. What do you recall from his teams at Mizzou? Uh, uh, how hard they played. Let, let's go back to the first team. I mean, here's what I remember. I remember him when he first got the job. I was in uh, New York, I believe. We were doing a show or something. And I remember uh, they made the announcement and the team was waiting for him in the team meeting. If you could have seen the faces of the team, remember, he got elevated at Missouri, I believe. Right. I believe Correct. that's right. He yeah. elevated. That's his alma mater, too. Oh, yeah, yes, exactly. So if you look at that, if you look at that, if you look at the faces of the players when he walks into the room, oh, a thousand percent, they wanted this guy to be their head coach. To me, now that that says a lot. Uh, when 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 a new coach, when they have interviews and they interview a lot of people, and probably people that had maybe uh, a thicker resume than Barry Odom as a head coach that got interviewed. When you make the announcement, he comes in front of that team, and you get that type of ovation and, and jubilance, and everybody's on board. That to me says a lot because he won. He he he's the players trust him, and to me that's where it starts. You you got to have trust, and you got to have uh, a commitment to one another. And and to me that's that's what uh, Barry has. And when you watch his teams play, they play hard and they play fast. Houston Nutt joins us, uh, CBS Sports, the former coach at Arkansas and Ole Miss, joins us talking about the UNLV uh, head coaching job. And today it is officially announced to Barry Odom from Missouri uh, as a head coach in 2016 and 2019 is the man here at UNLV in the last three seasons there in Fayetteville at Arkansas as a defensive coordinator. As we know, Houston, the UNLV job, it, it's not a glamorous job. It hasn't, has never been a glamorous job from the football perspective. We know there was interest from some, and Barry Odom said, hey, he, he wanted this job. Others didn't have much interest. Guys like Ed Ogeron uh, and Chris Peterson, their names were circled around this thing, and they came out and said, no, we're, we're not interested. Uh, we know that Eric Harper, the athletic director, was going to go for a guy he knew. He actually knew uh, Barry Odom from the past. How important is that to have that kind of connection for a head coach and an athletic director? <laughs> TC, it is so valuable. It's so important that you have two people that don't mind getting in the foxhole together, go out and fundraise together, go out to 
the different organizations and singing the same song. It's so important. And I, I can tell you firsthand, I had a great athletic director in Arkansas, a great one, great relationship, very open, very transparent. Didn't have the same thing at Ole Miss, and there was a lot of difference. It, it was an eye-opener. And from everything, from academics uh, to tutors to, to the way you eat, the way you train, facilities, everything, it, it, it's it's so important that you have these two guys that are together with chemistry. And not, I'm not saying you have to agree on everything. I'm not saying that. But I do think once you decide on something, you better be together. And uh, that that's why I think it's very good. And also, I think it's good, too, T.C., when somebody wants the job. Right. When you want to be there. When you know somebody wants to be there, that, to me, makes the difference to me. You want to be there, not just, oh, okay, I'll take it. No, 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 no. We're talking about I want that job. When you have that with, you know, putting uh, just back to exhaustion work ethic, because you love and you want that job, that to me is the difference. And I know, because I'm only going to bring this up because you had brought it up on the show before, that going back when this job was open, uh, prior to them hiring Tony Sanchez and Marcus Arroyo, you were interested in this job. Not a lot of people were interested in this job. Not a lot of high-profile guys who had coached in the SEC like yourself and we mentioned Ed Ogeron, Chris Peterson. They said, nah, no, thank you. I'm not interested in that. I mean, that, that's too much of a rebuilding job to do. And it's, you know, yeah. for a lot of people, they don't want to be associated with a, a bottom feeder type of school. But you yourself said that you really wanted this job years ago. Tell me why you wanted this UNLV job, especially back then, Houston, when it wasn't as marquee as it is now. Right. Well, I, I mentioned before, you know, I've seen, um, uh, John Robinson, uh, we had a, a week out there together with him. I, 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 I see the job that he did. And when you love coaching and you love to build, and it, Murray State, I say, I'd say a lot of your listeners would not know where Murray State's located. But Murray State was some of the best four years of my life. It's a basketball state, actually. Yep. But if you look closely, Mark God, uh, Mike Godfrey, uh, um, uh, guys like uh, Ron Zook, uh, there's so many coaches that went through there, but there wasn't a lot of success. And so when you build it, you understand how to build, uh, the relationships I have from those, especially those two back-to-back Ohio Valley Conference championships, you can't buy that. It's phenomenal. We still, I still talk to those guys today. And so Boise State making the transition from one double-A to Division One is when, Coach, uh, when Gene Blamire hired me. And again, it goes back to building and wanting to be there. I didn't know anything about Boise State, but just reading the tradition and looking at the campus and the visit, beautiful mountains, the blue turf. <laughs> if you go back, if you go back far enough, you see this junior college that won championship after championship. The fans, the Boise State fans, love football. Yeah, right. And so that you know, all that becomes contagious, and you love it. And so I just felt like you want to coach so bad. I just felt like, hey, we could do the same thing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you always always felt like because of the bright light, you're gonna get a visit. I think you'd have to talk the mothers into, "Hey, I got your son. I know it's bright lights out here, but." And uh, I have a roommate, a college roommate, Roy Barnhills, whose son went to Las Vegas, uh, and he played there. 
And so I felt like I had some inside info on, on, on Las Vegas. And, and with my brothers always out there recruiting out there, my basketball brothers, uh, it was kind of like a, a summer spot for us. We'd go out there and watch watch basketball games with those guys, go eat. And uh, it, it was just like, this is kind of a unique, unique place. Now, I, I didn't understand how in the world, when I got out there one day in uh, July, about 28th, I'm thinking, now, how in the world are these guys going to practice next week with the temperature 125? Now, how are we going to do that? I, I was all concerned about that. But uh, then I found out through uh, – Hydrate up, baby. Got, Stay hydrated. <laughs> you better you better have a bunch of hydration. And, you, and then I found out that also that uh, Taylor Barnhill, who played there, they said that they went to a place – uh, a little higher, or something that was a little cooler. I don't know. I can't. Remember. I can't think of a town that they went they to. Probably went to Mount, the- they probably went to Mount Charleston. You know, went up, okay. Went, went, okay. went up there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I just thought it'd be you know an intriguing place and wanted to. But hey, it didn't work out. But uh, that's the way it is. And uh, hey. Barry Odom, let's go. There you go. All right, Houston Nutt endorses Barry Odom. And just to kind of cap off what you're talking about there, Houston, for a guy who comes from a major conference like SEC, like you did, uh, in in, in Barry Odom, it really takes a guy to check his ego at the door to take this job at UNLV or to go and take a non-power conference school. And it's one thing, okay, maybe I'm going to go to Boise State, you know, that has a reputation or Fresno State, but, you know, UNLV, let's be honest, I mean, bottom of the barrel pretty much. It has been for a long, long time but with the Mountain West Conference. You have to be a real selfless, you know, you know, uh, individual. And like I said, check your ego at the door to say, hey, you know, I, I know I may you know, take some shots from some other people here, but you know, I got to be strong enough to say, Hey, I feel that this is going to be good for me, good for my family. And I want this challenge to build this program up because you can be a hero here if you succeed with that. But we see a lot of people just like to stay away from those kind of challenges. Barry Odom seems like a guy like yourself that says, Hey, bring it on. Let, let me, let me give you a great example in that, in that great question you just asked. When I left university of Arkansas as an assistant, I made more money when I left. When I left to go to Murray State, I made more money as a receiver coach at University of Arkansas. But I wanted to be a head coach. Right. And, and, and it's amazing. All my peers, all my friends, all my coaches, but hey, hey, Houston, hey, congratulations. Why in the world would you go there? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, in, in the same breath. Yeah. Hey, congratulations yeah. to the head coach. What? You gave up Arkansas, the SEC? Uh, yeah. And you're going to be the head coach. Where? Where is this place? I mean, and so all of a sudden, boy, you start to self-check. Well, this I'm not going because of what you're saying. I'm going because I want to run this role. And the thing that's so good is, and this is where Barry has a, a leg up on the guys that just become, uh, that just are assistants that jump into the head role. He's been a head coach before. Well, Murray State helped me so much. I was I was better at Boise State because of the four years. There was not all the media on top of you where you get to develop a little bit of a head coach, make some mistakes with not just getting criticized all over the world every day. Because when you do jump in the SEC, uh, you're in that fishbowl. They're, they're, uh, they're criticizing the milkshake you, you, you chose. <laughs> you know, don't, so, don't be criticizing our milkshakes now. We can't have any of that. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh. Uh, great stuff. I, and again, I'd be remiss if I did not mention, and, and again, I always mention Arkansas, Ole Miss and, and Boise state, you know, when you come on the show, but I got to mention the racers. I mean, Murray state, the racers, you're right, man. There you go. 
Uh, I love it. It's, it was great days, man. That's great. No, that's great. That's great. All right, my friend. College football playoff. I know I, I watched you on TV over the weekend. Well, they're unveiling this stuff, and you know, I heard your thoughts and everything. And you know, I thought you were going to come to my defense a, a little bit, you know, because you know me. Last week, I was banging the drum for for Alabama and your boy Nick Saban. And so now that we got it here, Houston, let, did the committee get it right? Okay, Georgia, Michigan, we know. Okay, TCU, okay. They, even though they lost to K State, but Ohio State slide in there. Did they get it right in your opinion? I think they did. I think they did. I, I really do. And we all wish there were more, a few more slots, and we'd love to have that. I wish while uh, Ohio State and Alabama wouldn't do anything, they'd go play one out. Let's let these two guys play it out, and then they could join the, the be that fourth one. But uh, uh, Ohio State's there. That, that's I think they got it right. It's hard to put Alabama in there with two losses, and we can argue back and forth all day long, strength of schedule and all this, and who's going to be favored all day long. But the bottom line is – you know, I think they did the right thing. And TCU, uh, unbelievable story, 12-0. and 0. And remember, a lot of teams were sitting at home on that championship weekend, a lot of teams. So I hate to see people get punished for, for going to play that extra game as much as uh, I know a lot of people said, oh, they should have won that game. Well, Penn State, you got to give them credit too. You know, they, they, they played a heck of a ball game. But uh, I think they got it right. You know, this is going to be good. This We got – you got Georgia, you got Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. Uh, I think they got it right. All right, so let's go back to Alabama for a minute. Now, Alabama gets left out. Obviously, they're not used to being on the outside looking in. And now they get to play a bowl game, the Sugar Bowl, which you think, okay, is pretty good. But now you look, they're playing on December 31st. At 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, they're playing at K-State team who just beat TCU, right? And how motivated is Alabama going to be? And speak from experience here, yourself here. I mean, how tough is this for Bama? Because I know, Houston, a lot of people are saying, it's going to be impossible. They're not going to show up. But then again, okay, you still got these great players. You got Nick Saban. He's got himself a coaching job to do, doesn't he? Because this is not the spot they expected to be in. Well, they always expect to be really at the top. I mean, they, they do because it's been proven. I'm, uh, look at all the national championships. So uh, it's going to be a letdown for, for a lot of them. But this is, uh, you know, I think I think he'll get this sold where this is still a high, high-level bowl, a lot of history, sugar bowl. I mean, man, you you, you got to get up, get ready to go, and, and it won't be easy. But I think they will. I think they will, and I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, and you know, in years past, uh, we've seen that, that – didn't quite show up, and then you don't know who's playing, who all's playing in the game either. By the time you get there, so uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's, you know, tough to navigate. Sometimes we got agents poking at you too. It's your players saying, "Hey, don't need to play in that game," and mm-hmm. might just you just want to make sure you stay healthy. And you so you start getting that going, and then you don't you just don't want to lose all your roster. And, and I hope they I hope everybody plays. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna blast you know whoever put put this schedule together because like you said, this is a prestigious bowl game. It's the sugar bowl. And you've got two dynamite teams. I mean K State had a great season and then they come back and they win the Big 12 championship and now you're gonna you're gonna play Alabama again, you know, make the argument they could they should be in they're not in but they're number five in the country right now. And you're playing this game at, you know, 12 noon Eastern time. Sugar Bowl's a nighttime game. That's a New Year's Day game. 
Oh, or, you know, New Year's Eve, or, you know, and we're not playing on Sunday because the NFL owns that, which is going to be New Year's Day. But why isn't the Sugar Bowl on Monday with the Rose Bowl after the Rose Bowl? The Rose Bowl is going to be the last game that we see. So we don't have that traditional night game. Why isn't the Sugar Bowl being played there on that stage? And then it'd probably be more meaningful for these teams. We've never seen a Sugar Bowl at 12 noon Eastern time. Doesn't that seem weird to you? It does. It does. Because we always used to see that Sugar Bowl at night. I can't tell you from, I don't know how old I was. From the moment I started realizing what what ball was all about, I remember all day long, you know, watching all these great bowls, but it always ended with that Sugar Bowl. Uh, orange bowl at night, sugar bowl at night. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. And look where the orange bowl is. I mean, the orange bowl is on December 30th. Now it's a night game, you know, that, that eight o'clock Eastern where it normally is, but it's, it's on Friday night. Then you got all these games that are on Saturday. You know, we have the two semifinals and then again, Monday, you know, we've got, you know, the cotton bowl, the citrus bowl, the rose bowl. It's all good. But Houston, the orange bowl. On the Sugar Bowl, neither one is is on January the second. Come on, Blows man, it's insane. Blows my mind. Come on, blows my mind. That's not right. I know this is this is what's frustrating. I mean, it's, right. I get frustrated by this committee because again, there's no really criteria. It's so subjective, and then now we're getting to these bowl games. Okay, you want to at least keep the integrity of some of these bowl games. Yeah, it's still the same name, but they're not even the same days. And we're getting the teams. I mean, you know, Clemson's right. in there. They'll get fired up. They're ready to play. And now they got to play two days before New Year's Day. It's insane. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm with yeah. you. Okay. All right. Make your prediction, man. What do you go? And we're going to have you on before this anyway, before these games go. TCU, Michigan. What do you got? Fiesta Bowl. Man, think, semifinal. Did you, see, did, did you see Max Duggan play the other day? <laughs> yes, did I did. See? Yes, I did. The guy couldn't. He had all the horned frogs on his back, man. He couldn't breathe. He was going up and down the field. Just give me the ball. Get out of the way. And you probably should have gave the ball to him a few more times. But um, I, I love his guts. I love how they play. Sonny Dykes done a marvelous job. But I'll tell you, I, I, I just think this Michigan team, now I'd like to know who's healthy or who's not. Now, if they, if they got a bunch of people not going to play, I'd probably go horned frogs. But if if they, still, I know they're not going to have probably Blake Corm, but the Edwards kids looks good. I, I just think the the line of scrimmage, I got to lean to Michigan, and man, do they play hardball. And that's not saying I'm not saying TCU doesn't because they do too. I love the way they play. I think it's going to be a tight one, but I'm probably going to be pulling for the Horn Frogs. My brother graduated from there, Dennis, All American basketball player. Man, he he's going to be mad at me saying that I think Michigan may win. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's going to be close. But I'm kind of deep down inside pulling for them horn folks. Uh, on the other one, I just think Georgia's the best team in the country. And I just don't think Ohio State, uh, I don't think uh, they can just uh, con- con- you know consistently move the ball in this defense. I think C.J. Stroud will probably play much better than he did versus Michigan. But I think also Michigan kind of exposed some things to me. Yes. When you see what Michigan did in the second half, and they started coming downhill, uh, Georgia's going to do that too. And I, I just love Stetson Bennett. You know, I know he's not six foot four, but I tell you what, they can call him a game manager or whatever, but he, he's one of the best in the country and he deserves a, a spot on the New York stage. And I just love the way that he, uh, he plays and distributes the ball, takes care of the ball, gets him out of the wrong play, gets him in the right play. Look how much more interesting that could be. If it was Alabama Ooh. against Georgia. See? See, we're saying it right there. That's why Alabama should be in there. 
It's a better game. It's a matchup, and there's a threat there. I mean, come on, man. You can't you can't reward that team that got drilled on their home field by 22 points in their last game against our arch rival. I'm still on that. I, I, I can't handle it. I need another Freddy's burger. That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, you really you really bummed me out, that picture you sent me today on the Freddy's burger. Listen, man, you got Freddy's in your neighborhood. You know, you got it somewhere close down there. They're down there in Texas. You can go anytime. But the thing is, you come here. I'm taking care of you, man. I'm, I'm going to let you have as many burgers as you want. I'm even going to get you the Chicago dog on the side and some frozen custard and a milkshake. What do you think of that? Gonna You're going to gain 15 pounds next time I see you. I like it. I'm going to hold you to it. Let's go. <laughs> there you go, brother. All right, my friend. We'll be uh, look. We'll be looking for you this weekend there in New York, uh, doing okay, your studio work, getting all that no, together. No, 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 no. You're on location. Wait, wait, wait. Location. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's right. You're going to be in the city of brotherly love. You're going to be right there in that stadium, man. You know, Lincoln Financial Field, Army, Navy. Who you got? Woo, that's another one, man. I, I always – I pulled from Army the last four years, and I, and I love Coach Munkin, but Navy, man, I, 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 you got to let – give me another day or two on that. Okay. I got to study this. I'm, I'm, up, I'm 50-50 on this one. All right. Well, you got to at least text me, man, so I know who you're rooting all for. Right. There you go, brother. Okay. Houston, I appreciate you, my man. Thank you very much for okay. all of that intel today, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. There he is, Houston Nutt. Talking about Barry Odom. Knows him very, very well. All right? Barry Odom, your new head coach at UNLV. College football playoff. Oh, yeah. We've got another two and a half weeks to hype all that up. We continue with more of that with Trevor Maddich on the other side. As we continue on, on this Wild Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show.